Let me just ask, and I'm sorry you that are in school, but anybody like tests? I've really not seen anybody in my life that just loves taking a test. And it doesn't get any better the older you get, right? I mean, not only the physics test and the economy test and things like that, but the blood test. Nobody likes to get picked on like that. Or uh, even the psychology test, you know, when you get a little older, you know, can you remember the three things I'm going to tell you here in a moment, you know? Or how about now the COVID test? Somebody battle ramming that thing up your nostril? I mean, <laughs> we hate tests. And when I was in school, I learned that it's wise to prepare for the test. You need to get ready for these when they're coming. I'm telling you, the tests I did the best on were where the teacher said, uh, I want you to study this part of the book, this chapter, we're gonna have a test on here. They gave you the study questions ahead of time. At least you knew what to anticipate. You know where to study. Where to spend most of your time. Those were the tasks that I tended to do the best on. But you know, there's always those uh, really wise guy kind of teachers out there that like to trick you. And they do tell you what's going to be on the test. It's just kind of a surprise. And I took a test one time where, I kid you not, up in the directions at the beginning of the test, it said, please don't take this test. Don't answer any of the questions. Just turn your paper over after you've read the directions. And just about everybody in the class just buzzed right through the directions and started taking the exam and they failed the test. They weren't listening. I wanna to say to you that God doesn't play games with you like that in the classroom of life. When God has tests for your faith, he's gonna tell you up front and it's very clear. And it's very really before you and transparent. We're continuing our series here today and in this season here in August of living a home run life. Don't you want to just live a home run life? You want to get on first base. You want to, you want to make something, a statement as you're following God in this life. You want to be real and transparent. And we're looking at some of the great saints in the Bible that stepped up to the plate and they were faithful. And today we're going to look at this guy known as Abraham, who was one who had incredible faith and demonstrated a life of great obedience. And without any doubt, i got to tell you, Abraham is perhaps the greatest example of faith that we find anywhere in the Bible. Of course, there's plenty of others in there, like Enoch and Noah that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. And they lived or extremely great and extraordinary lives of faith. But none are as closely chronicled as this guy we know as Abraham. And we find such detail about the inception, the progress, and ultimate display of his incredible faith life. And his epic life is recorded there in the first book in the Bible. And we find the story there in Genesis, like chapter 12 to 25. His faith was so celebrated, in fact, in the Old Testament, that the Levitical prayer of confession, extolling God and also lauding, the incredible faith of Abraham is recorded in scripture in Nehemiah chapter 9. Abraham is known, as you probably know, as the father of faithfulness, and he's called the very friend of God. And this man is revered by more than half the population on the planet. I mean, today Abraham is held in high esteem, not only by we Christians, but also by our Jewish friends and by Muslim people. And in ancient times, the Jews considered Abraham to be really almost worthy of their worship. 
And in the Bible, Abraham is presented to us as this great example of a man who lived his life by faith. You know, as we're reading here in the book of Genesis, I can't help but find myself coming back to this great Hall of Faith chapter in Hebrews chapter 11. The writer here is just putting up all the people here great in their faith life. In a couple of verses, I want to really drill down on here for us to think about as we ponder this guy known as Abraham. And it says this in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out on a place that he was going to receive an inheritance. And he went out without knowing where he was going. And by faith, he lived in the land he had been promised as a stranger. And he lived in the tents along with Isaac and Jacob, who were co-heirs of the same promise. And this guy, Abraham, had a special life. And a great portion of the first book of the Bible is dedicated to him. And as you read his story, you find out, and you see it clearly indicated here in this chapter in the Bible, that the life of Abraham was really kind of characterized by taking tests. And in fact, as you read his story, you find that there's at least four different tests that Abraham uh, faces. And he's an example of the ways that God tests our faith. And real disciples are people that are going to be prepared and ready to take these tests. Now, Abraham in his lifetime went through these four tests, and although the circumstances vary, I guarantee you that at some point in your life, you're going to have some kind of form of this test. So it behooves all of us to get ready and to be prepared. If you call yourself a real disciple of Jesus Christ, you need to get ready. Today, I want us to just look at two of these tests that Abraham faced. And they're the litmus test for every true believer. And you know what's on the test, and therefore you can kind of get ready for it. You can kind of prepare yourself. The one thing we don't know is the timing because God doesn't tell us always the timing. You might say God's kind of like this master of pop quizzing and just all of a sudden these things kind of present in your life, but you know they're coming. So some of you probably as we kind of look at this life of Abraham, we kind of ponder a couple of these tests. You're going to be saying, well, wait a minute, I'm going through this right now. And so we're going to look at this. We're going to look at how we as believers can be faithful and take these tests, prepare ourselves and ready ourselves. Now, if I were to ask you, are you a believer? Probably many of you, if not all of you, would say, oh, yes, pastor, I am. And we were to say, you know, well, you know, how do you know you're a believer? And you'd say, oh, I believe in God like everybody else. Well, I'd say that'd be great. But the Bible says even the devil believes in God. Even the demons believe in God and tremble, but that doesn't mean they're going to heaven. And a believing uh, Christian is somebody who really is uh, beyond intellectual assent, but they've had an encounter with Jesus Christ. They've personally had their sins forgiven. They felt conviction of their wrongdoing and have received that assurance of sins forgiven. You know, polls are taken all the time and you find out 80%, 90%, real high percentages of people say, yeah, I believe in God, I'm a Christian. And yet their belief has really nothing to say about how they live their life. It has no influence whatsoever about their lifestyle. And this is a way, I, I, a reason today, I think a lot of millennials and, and Zen people, you know, they're kind of ticked off about that because they want transparency. You're telling me I'm a believer and then there's nothing in your life that indicates that you're living the life of a disciple. James here in his book, he says, faith without works 
is dead. And that means if your actions don't correspond to what you believe, your faith is simply worthless. And so what does it mean to be a true believer? And how do you know if you are? Well, I think a couple of tests here, if you stop and think about it, that Abraham encountered the tests he took in life kind of speak to us. The first test that you see in his life is found here in this verse 8 in Hebrews 11. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was called, he obeyed and he went even though he did not know where he was going. You talk about a test in life, it's the where test. There's a test of a major change. Now, most of you know this story of Abraham. God asked Abraham to make a major change in his life. Abraham, I want you to pack up and move. And the only thing is, God didn't tell him where in the world he was going. Just pack up and move. And he just said he was going to be moving. I can imagine Abraham here, he had a lot of questions like all of us would have. Where am I going? How long is it going to take to get there? What should I take with me? I mean, how many of us would move on this kind of basis? And it was especially difficult for this guy known as Abraham. And for multiple reasons. In fact, in Genesis, it tells us that Abraham, when he moves, was 75 years of age. And I got to tell you, when I'm 75 and 80, I don't want to be moving, right? You know how painful that is? As a pastor, I have moved all over this region, and I can tell you, it is not a lot of fun. You know, you accumulate so much stuff and you're living out of boxes sometimes for days and you can't find anything and it's just so inconvenient and a miserable experience. And then after you get there, you, can't, you still can't find anything. It takes forever to get things sorted through and placed where you want them. And not only that, this guy here, he's saying, God, I'm ready to retire. But God said, no, you're not ready to retire. You're ready to aspire. You're just getting started. And not only was he older, and that may have been a challenge for him, but this guy's wealthy. I mean, Abraham lived in this city called Ur, and it was a beautiful capital. And, and that doesn't sound too appealing to be known that, hey, you're a, uh, from the city of Ur. Uh, but archaeologists actually tell us that Ur was a beautiful metropolitan area. They have reason to believe this was really a happening place and that it was where all the wealth of the world was centered at that time. And there were actually shopping malls that archaeologists have these markets and these fancy places that they've kind of unearthed. And it's, it's been shown now in that era, in that time, these people were living. And so Abraham here was kind of a fat cat in her, okay? And he had made it. He had livestock. He had sheep. He had cattle and at least 50 servants. And let me tell you, there was no allied moving company back then or two men in a truck. There was no storage bins hanging around. You could kind of, you know, put your stuff in for a while, but he had accumulated all these things, and there was a major move, and with all of his family and belongings, and on top of that, God had not told him where in the world he was going. He left, however, verse 8 says, without excuse. You know, the first test of every true believer of Jesus Christ is, are you going to follow God even when you don't know where things are headed? Now, some of you have, you know, been asking what's going on here. God has asked, you know, you to move or you to step out and talk to that person and or you to do this. And you don't know where this thing is going and you don't know where you're supposed to go, but you know that you're supposed to follow. You know you're supposed to be faithful and you're uncomfortable and you're asking the question, Lord, where is it you want me to go? That's the number one question I think we often face in life is where? Where do you want me to go to school? 
Where do you want me to work? Where do you want me to live? Where do you want me to retire? And some of you are saying, God, show me. God, reveal this to me. God is saying, you get started and move first, and then I will direct you. Just trust in me, and I will guide you. And if your faith hasn't led you to make any risk, i got to ask, do you really have a life of faith? Abraham was known here as the father of the faithful. And Abraham here was a kind of guy here that had this staying power. He had this patient endurance. He did not allow things to kind of crack him or run his life, but he was faithful in all ways. And when you do that, it produces this kind of tenacious faith. It gives you this kind of really deep spiritual strength. And you know, muscles grow under weight under this gravity. In fact, astronauts' muscles don't grow in space. They atrophy because there's no gravity. There's no resistance. And I've read where astronauts, they lose like 10 to 20% of, of their muscle mass. But the Bible says the testing and the pressure we're under produces this kind of perseverance in our life. As we stand, as we face adversity, as we draw on strength from God, and if we do this, it leads to this kind of spiritual maturity, which is what we see in the lives of these people who landed here in all of eternity in this great chapter of faith. People like Abraham, who day in and day out, they followed God. A second task, however, I want to say to you that we often face in life is a delayed response. Have you ever noticed that some rooms in life just speak for themselves? You don't have to say anything. It needs no explanation. You walk in and you're hungry and lo and behold, the table is decked out and it's all prepared. All kinds of food there. It needs no explanation. You're hungry and it's time to sit down and eat. You walk into a freshly decorated nursery and you get it. You don't have to ask anything. You know if it's painted pink or if it's painted blue, you just kind of get it. Or, you know, it's a cold day and you come into a cozy den with the fireplace going. It, it just, those kinds of things, it just speaks for themselves. But, you know, I have walked into some rooms and you don't know what you're in for. And a lot of times it's this terrible waiting room. Whether you're waiting for your car to be worked on or you're waiting in the doctor's office or you're waiting at the DMV or just whatever it is. I was in a waiting room here not long ago and there were so many things stacked everywhere. It was just like, what is going on in here? And there was nobody at the desk and the phone was ringing. And you know, when you're in these kinds of rooms and you don't know where you're at or what's gonna go on, it creates a lot of consternation, a lot of worry a lot of potential uncertainty, and oftentimes a lot of waiting. And regardless of what kind of waiting room that you might find yourself in, even today, you know, it's difficult to deal with. And we hate to wait. We hate to wait at stoplights. Uh, we hate to wait in line to check out. I mean, we are people on the move these days. But the second test you're going to face in life is oftentimes a delayed response, a delayed promise from God. Notice it says in verse 9, By faith Abraham made his home in the promised land, and like a stranger in a foreign country, and he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. Now there's an important word there that's repeated twice if you caught it in verse 9, and we all ought to take our Bibles and circle the word, and it's the word promise. Promise is an incredible, valuable word in the vocabulary of every Christian believer. God wants us to base our lives on promises and not upon explanations. 
It's not explanations, but it's expectations. It's the promises of God, and he wants to, us to base our lives on his promises. And God promised Abraham here, if you move, I will send you to the land of Israel. And the problem is, after he gets there, there was this delay of a transfer of ownership. And Abraham, the Bible indicates to us, lived for another hundred years. Can you imagine that? He never did receive it at this point. And notice it says he lived in tents. Anybody lived in tents, even just for a single night? It's a miserable experience sometimes. My idea of a tent these days is the Marriott Hotel, I tell you. <laughs> but you talk about temporary living. How would you like to live in a tent for 100 years? And he had not settled down. He was constantly on the move. And how long did he have to wait? Well, here the Bible indicates to us. It says, so did Isaac and Jacob. And that, friend, is two more generations. Abraham awake had to wait three generations to get that promise fulfilled, and that's a long time to wait. Abraham here, he probably started every prayer, Lord, when are you going to answer my prayer? Lord, when are, am I going to hear from heaven? When am I going to get it? When are you going to answer? When is this promise actually going to be fulfilled? You've led me here. When are my needs going to be met, God? You know, I generally, I don't know about you, but I can handle just about any test as long as I know there's a timeline to it. And we're going to finally get there to the end, right? And you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. But it's much more difficult to handle this kind of test when there's no end in sight. And it just seems to be this perpetual thing that goes on and on and on, day in and day out. And it doesn't seem to get any better, whether it's something involving a relationship, maybe like your marriage or your job, or some aspect of your career. It just seems like there's no end in sight. And that's a continual test with a delayed promise. And you know it's coming, but you don't know when. You know, faith will not always get for us what we want, but it will get what God wants us to have. And the lesson is a real believer will wait for God's timing even when they don't know when even when they don't know where. If you've ever played the game of chess, as you know, a pawn is often not the most important piece on the board, is it? And it can be taken out at any time. In fact, it cannot do fancy sideways moves. It's not known as being very powerful. And it's often sacrificed the pawn. Uh, it can't prance around about the board like the knight can. It just moves forward in service of the king. And one or more moves at a time, just forward, 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 and it can't move back. But what happens when the pawn finally gets to the other side of the board? You say, crown me. Or in other words, it's called promotion. And it's been through the battles. It's going through the board. It's kept moving forward. And now it cannot remain a pawn but it can't become the king, but it can become a knight, or it can become a rook or a bishop or usually a queen, the bride of the king, but they have made it. And they've reached the other side of the board and it's like, crown me, you've been promoted because it's been faithful and it's moved forward. I wanna to say to you the secret of acing God's test is, is not knowing the answer, but friends, it's always trusting. In God's test, you don't have to know the answer. In fact, the test is, do you trust me? That's really the question. 
is do you trust God? Maybe you're facing one of those two tests right now, the when or the where question. You don't know what in the world is going to happen in your life. There's a situation that you've been praying about, you've been asking for direction, and it hasn't been fulfilled just yet. But you know, the challenge is to trust God even when you don't know the answer right now and start trusting God's love because frankly, that's where it begins. So you join me in a moment of prayer. Holy God, we thank you for these wonderful lives of these saints of old and how they journeyed with you and how they teach us so much about living a faithful life here in our day. We pray, God, for one another because we know there are challenges in life. There are issues with our families. There's even physical problems. There's all kinds of dilemmas and perplexing situations and Lord, we just need answers, but most of all, we need to stand firm on your word, and we need to rely upon you and be faithful, trust you in all things, and move forward with your spirit. And we ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.